Hello, and welcome to the Pet Wellness Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Bonder, a veterinarian with a passion for all things pet, experienced in holistic medicine, pet training, and you guessed it, pet wellness. This is a show where we not only talk about pet problems, we give solutions and suggestions for optimizing your pet's health. Each week, you'll hear thought-provoking advice and interviews, as well as actionable tips you can implement in your daily life. And now, here's your host. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Bondar, and you're listening to the Pet Wellness Podcast. Last week, we talked about why punishment in most situations doesn't work. And this week, we're going to turn the tables and talk about why reinforcement is such a better option. In fact, if you accidentally catch yourself punishing your dog or cat for a bad behavior, and inevitably we all will, reinforcement of the behavior you want them to do will help preserve that ever-important human-animal bond. Before we get into the benefits of reinforcement, I first want to set you up for success by repeating something that I said in the last podcast in a bit of a different way. We all, including myself, have one bad habit with our pets. We anthropomorphize, which really means that we place human behaviors and characteristics on our pets. It's the reason why we clothe them in the winter when we really don't have to. Yes, even adorable little chihuahuas can handle the snow without a drop of clothing on. In fact, I'm going to devote an entire podcast to a recent study that I read that really sheds light on the dangers of anthropomorphizing. So stay tuned for that one. Here are two examples of when I caution you not to anthropomorphize when it comes to punishment or reinforcement. The first one's around the concept of communication. When we talk to our dogs and cats, we kind of know they don't understand us, but we still do it anyway. And you know what? That is absolutely fine if you're saying blah, 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 in a kind tone when you're reinforcing. It's fine. But it's different if you're using an angry tone. Like if you said something like this, why don't you come to me when I call you? You're such a bad girl. And because of that, you're not getting a treat when you get home. As I said on the last episode, this is what your dog actually hears. When we raise our voice like this, I think we assume that our pet understands what we're saying because they look quote-unquote guilty. Well, guilt is not really an emotion that dogs and cats are capable of expressing due to their inferior forebrain. We experience guilt, but they do not. Instead, the look they're giving us is fear and confusion. Confusion as to why we're so upset with them. The second involves associations. Humans, who have a very well-developed forebrain, can create complex associations. For instance, a child could come home from school and all their mother has to do is give them a specific look and they'll be thinking, oh, I forgot to make my bed this morning. That's how complex associations can get in the human world. With dogs and cats, associations are not complex at all. In fact, they're extremely simple. For any behavior, whether it's good or bad, to be associated with any consequence, that being a punishment or reinforcement, the consequence must occur either during or immediately afterward, like within one second. 
for that behavior to have any association with the consequence. Here's an easy example to illustrate this concept. By the time your dog jumps on a person, in other words, by the time you notice it and reprimand your dog with a no or an off, it's probably gonna be about three to four seconds. So as much as you want to believe that your dog associates your anger with jumping on someone, they don't. Because the consequence of yelling at them came three to four seconds after they did it. I know that's hard to believe, but that's the way dogs and cats think. So please, when it comes to punishment or reinforcement, think like a dog or a cat and not like a person. If you recall from the first podcast, it takes three things all happening together for punishment to be effective. The timing has to be perfect, the intensity has to be perfect, and there needs to be follow-up with a reinforcement. The good thing about reinforcement is you don't need that third step because you're already reinforcing, but you still do need number one and two. The timing has to be right and the intensity has to be right. And I wanna share with you a real life example of how I helped someone with a Shih Tzu puppy where not only was his timing awful, but so was his intensity. So my neighbor called me over one day because he was having a heck of a time with his Shih Tzu puppy house training her. She had had multiple accidents all over the house and he was at his wits end. So I decided to come over and see what he was doing. So we were sitting there chatting about his problems when I noticed his cute little puppy starts sniffing around and looking quite antsy and I said to him, okay, she needs to go. And the first thing he said to me is, she does? She didn't ask me to go out. I said, she's a puppy. She doesn't know how to ask to go out yet. She's just sniffing around because she's probably has to go. So he opened the door and the dog went outside. And I thought he was going to follow her, but he didn't. Anyway, we watched as the dog urinated on the grass. And then the dog came inside. He looked down at the dog and went, good girl. <laughs> and honest to God, it took everything inside for me not to laugh hysterically. And I looked at him and I said, that's it? He goes, yeah, I just told her she was a good girl. I said, you told her she was a good girl for coming in the house. He says, what? No, she peed. So I told her she was a good girl. And then we sat down again and I had a nice conversation about what he did wrong and how he could fix the problem. So let's talk about that. The first big mistake, of course, was timing. I mean, the dog had peed and then he rewarded the dog 30 seconds later. In fact, he actually did reward the dog for coming in the house because when the dog came in the house, that's when he blurted out the good girl. What he should have done is walk outside with the dog and literally as soon as she squatted, that's when you get down and go, good girl, in a nice animated voice, not this good girl, which is what he did. So that's the intensity part that was off. And what's interesting is I find training puppies in the wintertime is where a lot of this goes bad because people aren't willing to go outside with their dog. And so the dog doesn't get rewarded at the exact time they urinate or they defecate. So in that situation, I just tell people, you don't have to be standing right beside them. Just open the door. And while they're going, you can reinforce the behavior from far away, as long as you're animated. And I hate to say it for all you male listeners out there, we got to get over the macho thing and get coochie coochie with our puppies because good dog just doesn't work for them. They need to know you're happy with them because when you're happy, they're happy and more likely to perform the behavior the next time. 
What I love about the timing and the intensity part when it comes to reinforcement is that it's so easy to do because we're the ones asking for the behavior. It's so easy to get the timing right and the intensity right because we know the behavior is going to happen, whether it's a sit or any other behavior we want them to do. And that's why reinforcement most of the time is much more effective than punishment. Before we move on with reinforcement, I just want to throw in a quick scenario when it comes to house training and how if you do it right, you can actually incorporate punishment in with the reinforcement and make it work even better. If your puppy is urinating or defecating, they don't do that in half a second. They're doing it for a little while. So if you catch them in the act, you can always get their attention. Don't scare them. Just go, ah! If they look at you, they're going to stop whatever they're doing. That's the moment where you can pick them up, take them outside, and have them finish outside with you giving them this wonderful treat or verbal praise as they go outside. It's amazing how quickly they learn where the right place to go is and the wrong place to go is. However, the key is you can't scare them because if you do, you're just going to instill fear and fearful puppies are much less willing to learn new things than happy puppies. Okay, now it's time to take reinforcement to the next level. And I want to talk to you about two major types of reinforcement. The first one is continuous reinforcement and the second one is called intermittent or partial reinforcement. Continual reinforcement is pretty self-explanatory. You literally reward them every single time they do a good behavior. And when you have puppies and kittens, continuous reinforcement is the ultimate way to get them to learn a new behavior. The only problem with continuous reinforcement is if you stop the reinforcement, the behavior can extinguish. Or in other words, the behavior won't be maintained. So the biggest key when using reinforcement is to start with a continuous reinforcement schedule and then once they've learned the behavior, immediately move over to a partial or intermittent reinforcement schedule. And the faster the better, because continuous reinforcement schedules can actually backfire very quickly. And that's because they can't really maintain the frequency or quality of behavior, and they're also no good at improving the quality of behavior. So even with puppies and kittens, partial reinforcement schedules can be the perfect starting point. There are four different types of intermittent reinforcement schedules. And these can be further subdivided into two main categories, that being a fixed schedule, where it's a set number of times or a set amount of time that passes before a dog is rewarded. And then there's a variable schedule, where the number of times a behavior is rewarded or the amount of time that passes before a behavior is rewarded is random. In the interest of time, and so that things are not too confusing, I'm not even going to bother talking about the fixed schedules because typically they don't work really well with dog or cat training. The variable schedules work so much better. So let's talk about the two types of variable schedules. And I just want to throw in that the reason why variable schedules are so much better than fixed schedules is because the reward is so unpredictable. So it helps maintain motivation levels. And it makes it really easy to eventually phase out food rewards. So you're not always motivating with food. The first is called a variable interval schedule, where the dog or cat is reinforced for performing a behavior after a random amount of time has passed. 
This is good when you want to reinforce behaviors that are time-dependent or need duration. Things like stay or heal or wait. And it's also good for dealing with problems like separation anxiety or dogs who are generally noisy. The idea is that you reward dogs intermittently for staying or being calm or being quiet and then you increase the duration of time between rewards. The only real drawback to variable interval reinforcement is that you don't improve the quality of performance because you're only reinforcing after a certain period of time rather than reinforcing the behavior itself. And that leads us to the second form of variable scheduling, the variable ratio schedule, where the dog or cat is reinforced after performing a behavior after a random number of times, rather than after a random period of time. Variable reinforcement schedules are wonderful for maintaining high frequencies of behavior and for fewer and fewer rewards. It really makes it easier to phase out food rewards because the dog or cat gets used to working for an increased number of repetitions without a reward. It works around the same premise as a slot machine. You keep putting money in, and you get paid out intermittently. Problem is you don't know when you're gonna get paid out next. So you just keep putting money in and money in, hoping that this time you're gonna be the big winner. The real key to success with a variable interval reinforcement schedule is not just to reinforce randomly, but actually vary the rewards as well. So for instance, if you're trying to get your dog or cat to sit, some sits may get no reward, others might get a good girl, and some may get a very high-value food reward. By using different valued rewards, now you can actually affect the quality of the performance. So for example, you're only going to reward for above-average responses, rather than below-average responses. So to quickly summarize, reinforcement is really important if done at the right time and the right intensity. And you want to make sure that the reinforcement is given on a variable schedule where there is a random number of times a behavior has to occur or amount of time that passes before an animal is rewarded. And always make sure that reinforcement is fun for you and your pet. After all, our pets deserve our best. If you're excited to hear more about how you can become a pet wellness advocate, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thanks for spending time with us today.